Welcome to The Liberating Secret with your host, author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. The Liberating Secret is dedicated to revealing the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Let's join Sylvia Pierce for today's lesson. Welcome to The Liberating Secret. My name is Sylvia Pierce. So glad to be with you. You're right in the middle of uh, my own personal testimony. That's where I am, and I love sharing this with you all. And let me backtrack a little bit. I told about where I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and how I had a pretty defeated life, uh, a lot of uh, low self-esteem, a lot of self-hatred, a lot of shame, a lot of sin, because I <laughs> hadn't found the... Christ until I was like 18 years old and then did not know the fullness of the gospel at that time. And I think a lot of people, and where I am in 1 Corinthians, I've been talking about what is carnality and why are Christians carnal? Because the like Paul says, the, the Corinthians were still babes. Well, I think um, a lot of time it's because we do not know the fullness of the, of the gospel that's given to us in by Paul's letters. And so, especially in the letter of Romans, I think Romans gives us the fullness of the gospel. Also, Colossians and basically all of his letters are, 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 given a, are telling us really the fullness of the gospel. Now, what I'd like to read right now is a um, uh, prelude to one, uh, a book that I read not too long ago. And, uh, and this asks the question, what is the mystery of the gospel? Now, listen to this. This is why people are, Christians are still carnal. There is a dimension of the gospel that is seldom taught. And I think that's one of the main problems. Paul called it the mystery manifested to his saints. This is not, it's not meant to be for the world. It's meant to be for the Christians, for the saints, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is a life-changing revelation that goes beyond the traditional message of forgiveness for sins and promise of salvation. Paul clearly teaches that there are two aspects to the good news. One, to proclaim the saving gospel to those without Christ and to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of, the glo of glory. Uh, tragically, the second aspect of the gospel has been virtually ignored by the whole section of God's church, of God's people and the body of Christ. That is true. No wonder so few seem to know the victorious, joyous, peace-filled life that Jesus described as abundant life. No wonder the world looks upon Christianity as just another religion, and the world does, instead of a glorious way of life. Those participants show to, whose participants show to the whole earth that Jesus Christ is alive and well in the 20th century, the 21st century. The key to abundant living is to know and understand the second aspect of the gospel, the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, that's why 
the church is still in a state of carnality is because we rarely hear the second part of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if we do hear it, we hear it as if we're separate from Christ. We hear it like, well, Christ walking beside me, and I know he's in me. I've received the Holy Spirit. I know he's in me, but he's really still walking beside me, and he's helping me, and he's, and he's, or he's carrying me on his shoulders. But that's not really the second part of the gospel. The second part of the gospel is Christ in you, inside you, in union with you. You see, that's the whole mystery that's, that's rarely taught and that Paul brings out. That is his gospel. And um, basically, I've read this a long time ago. It's in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul says in Romans that in Romans chapter 2, it says in verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Well, that's, this is what his gospel is. Yes, the forgiveness of the sins, but the second aspect, the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you. That have, we've been crucified with Christ, that we no longer live. The life that I live is really the life of Christ within me. Now, if you don't know that, you're still carnal. You're still operating as if you're just a mere person separate from Christ with him helping you occasionally. But it's basically centered in on you and what you have to do, what you have to perform, what, and you see yourself as separate. And as long as you see yourself as, uh, as this needy person, you're always gonna be uh, under some kind of law of I should or I should improve myself, I should try real hard. So the real reason that we're still carnal is because we're trying to improve what Jesus Christ did at the cross. He crucified, the old nature was crucified with Christ. If we don't, if we're not made a new creation, we, we don't even have the fullness of the gospel yet. You see, it's not just forgiveness of our sins, but the fact that we are a whole new being. We are a new creation. We're a new race of being. It is Christ living his life in this vessel called Sylvia Pierce. And that ha I have to come up to that by faith. By faith, I have to take that. I couldn't have taken that as a child. You've heard my testimony uh, with the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the fear, the insecurities, the self-hatred that I had. And I think that's common with everybody. I mean, we, some people can hide it better than others, but it's there because that's the carnal mind. That's, and the Romans 8 says the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's the enemy of God. So I had to find the second part of the gospel. Now, I found Jesus when I went down forward at the Billy Graham crusade. But what was I taught as soon as I went to my local church? You know, I didn't hear any more about what happened. I couldn't have told you what happened to me because nobody taught me. I couldn't have told you anything about what the gospel really was. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that I went forward. Was it signing a card? Was it going forward? What was it? I didn't know that I had received the person of Christ. Now, I, you can only function by what you know. So there I was going to a church, trying to do right, and, but basically, most of the time, I was put under all the shoulds and oughts of what I should do to be a good Christian. And it wasn't uh, the fault of what I was hearing. 
as much as it was the fault of my mentality, I had not been, my mind had not been renewed to the truth of who I really was. That's the real problem with the Christian today. It's not that we still have the old nature. We don't. We've been crucified with Christ. The old nature is out. The Holy Spirit is in. But our minds are, are if, we're, if we're still walking from carnality, we're still walking in the mind of the flesh. That's exactly why Paul, in the first part of, of uh, Corinthians, brings out the wisdom of God. Don't you know that Christ is made unto you wisdom. Christ is made unto you. The, uh, you have a new mind in Christ. Somebody said at one time, I don't feel like I have a new mind. You don't know all the thoughts that go through my mind. And uh, one of the teachers said to that person, uh, how can I have a new mind? And the teacher said, well, do you have Christ? And he said, well, oh, yeah, yeah, I do have Christ. He said, do you think he left behind his mind? <laughs> he didn't leave it behind. But are we functioning from it? No, we're still functioning from the old thought patterns of the old life. That's the problem. The problem is not that we don't have a new heart. We do. The problem is not that we don't have, uh, that, uh, that um, Christ doesn't live in us. He does. But you see, if we're still functioning from the mindset of the, of the old life, which is from separation, which is from shame, self-condemnation, performance-based acceptance, all those things, you see, we're still going to live a carnal life. I don't care how good or how religious you might live. If you have not seen the revelation that you don't live any longer, that Christ lives in you, and it's revelation, I cannot impart that to another person. I can give you, I can jumpstart you in the truth, and the truth will set you free. But it's not... What I can impart to you is what the Holy Spirit brings inside of you. It's revelation to know it. And I had to be crushed as a Christian. So I went through. I married, finally married my second husband, Scott. But this, this, was, the, um, this was the mentality I had. This is my own understanding, my own thinking. Was not, I was not after exactly how God saw me because I didn't know I, I wasn't seeking that. I was just trying to make my life work. So, um, and uh, so I was still carnal. I was still just seeing myself separate. So um, I was, I decided that I was never going to have all the pain that I had in, in my first marriage, my first divorce, having a child at only in my teen, I, the pain of all that I was going to try to avoid. And so how was I going to try to do that? I was going to make my marriage perfect. I was going to have a good, and I did marry a wonderful husband, a good man, a good husband. He wasn't a Christian either, though. I mean, but he supported me, certainly worked. He worked three jobs so that I, did, I could raise our children. Think of that. Three jobs. Tell me the men today. Most men hardly work one job. Let three jobs so that I could stay home and take and raise our children, which I'm so thankful for. So, yes, I had a good, responsible man, but, and he went forward at a Billy Graham crusade when he was only like seven or eight years old, so he didn't even know what he had either. So, um, and he was still living the carnal life the, with the carnal mind. As long as you're still thinking and operating from the carnal mind, you're going to live a carnal life. You're going to live a life 
as if you're separate and uh, you're still going to be condemned because you're never going to measure up and you still have to try to improve yourself all the time, although that's never really going to work, but you're going to have to try, you think. So, and you're going to try to make your life so it's not, not have any pain. So I was going to be the perfect wife. Okay. And I was going to have the perfect husband. And I could see right away there were things in my husband that I wanted to change. Well, duh, don't most women want to fix, change, and rearrange their men so that they will be perfect so basically they won't have to suffer? Yes, that's exactly what I did. I, uh, I, I was going to be the perfect, so I would, anything, and he was, pretty, he was pretty dominating, and he had a bad temper, so he could control me through the bad temper, and, he, and then he would tell me what to do, anything you say, anything you say, but see, I was denying my own personhood, denying myself, and, but yet I didn't know any different, and there I was, a doormat under him, and pretty much a victim, so I always tell people, I married my mother. And he would explode like she did. Exactly. Same kind of personality. I mean, we'll, we'll do it over and over and over again until we're freed in Christ. I can tell you that we will. So anyway, there I was trying to make uh, our life work. And the more I tried to change him, the worse I got until I was ready. And I thought, I don't even know if my, our, the second marriage is going to work. I didn't know. And so I thought... Maybe, you know, if we, we, we would take little weekends together and we do things to try to feel better about us and our marriage. And, and, but yet, no, I still had all the pain of condemnation and this marriage isn't going to work and the fear of the future and the regrets of the past. And I did not know how to live the, the now life, the present tense abundant life. See, that's it. Carnality is not knowing how to live the life of Christ that is already within us and live from that life. And how and that life is abundant because it's full, it's complete. I mean, and it's not an it, it's a him, it's a he. It's Christ himself living his life, not alongside of me, but his very life source I have to draw from that well that never runs dry, which is his life. And I did not know that. So you go about trying to make your life work. And it didn't. It wasn't working. So I was ready to have my third child, which is a daughter. I had a little daughter. I had two sons. And then I had my daughter, Diane. I go to the hospital. Well, at the hospital, I met a woman that was different than anybody I'd ever met. And she started, she loved me. I could tell she had some problems in her own life. But you know what? I felt like she wasn't even interested in her own child because we were we had our children 30 minutes apart and then we we were wheeled into the same room so there we were and i could see her i could see something different in this woman now i did not know the holy spirit yet um, i hadn't even heard about the holy spirit you know in in the uh, bible in acts you know there are some people that that the apostles would go to and said uh, we want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, we've never even heard about the Holy Spirit. Well, that's how I felt like. I hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. So I didn't know that there was something more than me. And I didn't know any more than my sins were forgiven. But I still felt like I sinned every day. And good grief, there was something really wrong with me. Okay, but I met this woman that had love and she loved me. And she cared. She 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 wanted to know more about my baby than her own baby. I thought, gosh, I've never met anybody like that. I mean, I've never been that way. I've always been interested in just me and my family and what's going to help me and be for me. So that really 
that really drew my attention. It was really Christ. It was really the Holy Spirit in her. And I did not, I thought, there's something different. And we always know it when we see it. So we always got together um, every year to compare babies after that. And about the second year, I was at her house. And uh, she lived, um, I lived on the other side of town, but I would, we went there, I went there, and we were comparing our children and how they were growing up and everything. And she, and, and I thought, this is, this is a very interesting woman. I really did like her, and she was really appealing and drew me in by her personality and her love, really. It was the love of Jesus. So um, she said, you know, I, I, go, to a, I have a, go to a Bible study, and she says, I have to take my Bible study teacher somewhere to her beauty shop. She can't drive because she's really had a stroke. And, but, and I thought, oh, she goes to a Bible study? And she says, yes, a missionary's going to come in a few days, and she needs to go to the beauty shop. I have to take her. Could you just wait here? I'll, I'll be right back. So she left, and I was sitting, sitting there waiting, and I looked up on her wall, and there was a plaque on her wall that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. To me, to live is Christ living, really, Christ living. And I said, yes, that registered inside me, and I thought, yes. Well, she hadn't really talked with me about Christ, and I loved that. You see, I think we try to rush in too fast giving our testimonies about Christ. Wait on the Holy Spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit was stirring in me. So when she came back, she says, yeah, I took my Bible teacher, and, and I thought, Bible teacher, wow. And then I said, uh, you know, I saw this on your wall. Only what's, what's done for Christ will last. What does that mean? And she says, oh, Sylvia, I've been wanting to tell you about Christ and what he means to me and how we've been listening to this missionary that comes to our Bible study probably just once a year, and I want you to hear what he's saying, and I want you to hear him, but, and I want you to hear my Bible teacher because she teaches us the Bible, and I think, this is it. I've got to do this. My life is falling apart. I don't have anything else. I've got to do this. So I didn't hear the missionary that year. But I packed up my Bible, which I knew nothing about. I'm 28 years old. I want you to know, I hadn't even hardly opened my Bible. only knew one verse, and that was the verse that God gave me when I was only 11 years old, when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, and I believed that. I didn't know how or when or how he was going to do it or anything. But there I was packing up a Bible, going to a Bible study. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if they call on me to read? And I'm, you know, I, I didn't know I was dyslexic, but I thought I'm, maybe I'll stumble over the words. And even today when I read my Bible to you all, sometimes I stumble over words. I don't mind. <laughs> it's really been my asset and not my liability. So anyway, I went, I packed up my Bible, went to the Bible study. And guess what? We, they were studying Revelations. Well, they started talking about the whore. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is in the Bible? I didn't think anything that bad was in the Bible because all you know the Bible to be is it's so holy you can hardly touch it. You know, it can't be have anything like the great whore and the dragon. Oh my gosh, Revelations. Well, I didn't care. 
But as I started going and, and I started praying and giving, giving my heart more to Jesus and finding out who the Holy Spirit was and asking God to know the Holy Spirit, and, uh, you know, I started realizing that I could really start, I started understanding the Scriptures. Well, I had never understood the Scriptures in my whole life other than that one verse. And now I was starting to understand it. I could start putting things together. And I thought, wow. I mean, I understood why Moses didn't go into the promised land early on. I could, uh, God would give me insights. And I think, wow, I'm becoming somebody. Wow, I've never been anybody in my whole life. And now I can understand the Bible. Wow, you know. Well, uh, I don't know, a couple of months goes by and uh, all of a sudden I'm having two or three bad days and I'm, you know, mad at my husband and mad at my kids and screaming at them. And I thought, oh my gosh, have I lost? Have I lost it? See, see, this is all immaturity. We don't really realize. We don't know. We don't know how to believe by faith. We don't know how to walk by faith. We don't ha know how to take what God says about us to be true. Because we're always looking at ourselves and our slip-ups and everything we do wrong and judging ourselves by our, uh, by our sins or by the, by the fact that I have a, you know, had a reaction, have an overreaction to something. Oh, my gosh, now I'm defeated. Now, now I've lost my salvation almost, I thought that. Well, I called my Bible teacher. I said, and by the way, this Bible teacher in Louisville, probably, I always say, I didn't know of anybody else in all of Louisville, Kentucky in the 60s that taught grace. And this precious woman taught the grace of God. She taught us we were saved by faith. We walked by faith. I mean, she taught us grace. Thank you, Jesus, that I had that kind of foundation. She's in heaven today. And I thank the Lord that he led me to that one place in Louisville, in the other part of town. How could I have ever found it? I couldn't have. You see, God orchestrated this whole thing. I mean, I feel like sometimes like I'm a, a pawn on a chessboard and he's just orchestrating everything, you know, because he already knows that our heart is hungry towards him. He already knows that we want to live this life of Christ. We want him to live in us and be, be the very abundant life that we're all seeking for, but we don't know how to find it. We don't know. We have never even had the teaching that would tell us about it. And so, so I called her that day. I said, oh, and her name was Pauline Catlett. Maybe some of you remember her. She was a dear saint. And um, uh, I called her and I said, oh, Pauline, I think I've lost my salvation. I'm screaming at my kids again. My behavior is not right. I know it's not right. And oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And uh, I think I've lost my salvation. She said, Sylvia, she was a wise woman. She says, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. So I'm going to turn to the, the, ver the very verse that she showed me. It's in chapter 6. And she said this. Chapter 6, starting with verse 9, it says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. And then it gives a whole list of behaviors, of unrighteous behaviors. And it, but then it says in verse 11, and this is the key, and such, or many of you, were, uh, and such was some of you. In other words, this is who you were. This is not who you are now. This is who you were before you were saved. You've been born again. You've been put into the kingdom of God. You, you these behaviors are not who you are. You might 
slip and do a few of them, but that's not who you are. The real truth is you've been put into a new kingdom. You've been put into, you're a new creation. Christ lives in you. And th this, is, this is what she said. You were, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You're washed clean. You're, you're clean from all your sins. They're gone. But you are sanctified. That means holy. Oh, that's who I am. Ooh, I'm holy. But you are justified just as if I'd never sinned in the name of the Lord and by the spirit of our God. She did not point to my behavior and how to self-improve that behavior. She pointed to who I was in Christ. I'm telling you, that's the secret. That's the reason that people are not really coming into the truth of who they are. Because we as Christians and churches and fellowships are always pointing to behavior, not who we are in Christ. Yes, that does not justify our behavior. Our behavior is wrong. But just to continue to focus on bad behavior will not bring you up to the truth of who you are. It will always point you to your failures, always point you to how, how you're a saved sinner. You see, she was wise and the Holy Spirit was wise in her and said, point to who I really was. And I thought, wow, I don't feel that way today. You know, I, I, you know, I've had a bad temper today and I've had bad thoughts and all that stuff. I don't feel that way and I'm not thinking that way. She said, now I want to tell you the secret of faith. You take an imaginary stake and you drive it right in your Bible. I thought, whoa, I'm not going to drive a stake in my Bible, but it was imaginary. And you put it right on that verse. And every time Satan tells you the opposite, that you're a failure, that you're a terrible mother, that you're never going to make it, that you're an awful Christian, that you better shape up, that you better improve yourself, you better try harder, you drive your stake right in this verse. But I am sanctified. I am holy. I am justified. I am washed. And you know what? That has stayed with me. Of course you can see it has all these years because that's the whole essence of faith. Years ago, one of the ministries, I'm not sure which ministry did this, they drew uh, on a board, they drew three cars, uh, tra trains, a engine and a caboose, and in between a coal car, I guess. Okay, so there's three cars, and it's really, the best way to do it is just three squares. And you put F in each one of these squares and put little wheels on it to know that it's a train connected together. Okay, you understand what I mean. All right, now what do they stand for? The first square, the first, the engine is fact. What are the facts about you? The next coal car really is faith. So you feed faith into the fact. Now the third caboose is feeling. Now we as Christians have it all backwards. We're putting our faith in our feelings and not in the fact. You see, if the engine is fact, it's run, it, you're going to be running right. Now what is the fact? The fact was that I'm already washed. I'm already cleansed. I'm already sanctified. I'm already justified. I'm already holy before the Lord. You have been listening to The Liberating Secret with Sylvia Pierce. We want to send a special thank you to all our supporters who make this program possible. If you have been blessed by this program and would like to contact Sylvia, you can write her at P.O. Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. That's Post Office Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 
402-508-4253. You can also find more of Sylvia's teachings on her website. The web address is www.theliberatingsecret.com. That's www.theliberatingsecret.com. And be sure to listen again right here Monday through Friday at the same time for The Liberating Secret with author and teacher Sylvia Pierce. So until next time, may God richly bless you. Falling on me.